So that little bit there, I just wasn't recording. Apparently, today's going great. Hopefully, uh, what was that? What, what happened what? today that was a little bit different? I don't know, man. <clears throat> I don't know. I opened Zoom slightly different. I every and Zoom's like, know. are you trying to fuck with me, Ben? Hold my beer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it's like Anchor, where you open it slightly different or on a different device, and suddenly everything's different. Yeah, it's like you you dare make a change. Right. Watch this, bitch. Oh, you know what I want to say real quick though before we do start or whatever. How you ever want to do this? Um, okay. You know Sandra Bergman, the one that was on like Hell Comes to Frogtown. I think her name was Sandra Bergman. No, I don't think that's her name, but I know who you're okay. talking about the blonde lady. I'm looking it up now. I can't let it go. Um, but she, I've been watching um this uh 1990s actually. Uh, oh, Sandal Bergman, not Sandra. Her yeah. name is Sandal, D-A-H-L. Um, Sandal Bergman was in this Swamp Thing TV show that I'm watching from the 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's one of the things I let play in the background. Like when I'm working on our articles or whatever for this, I usually have just something playing on the background that I don't really have to pay attention to. And lately it's been Swamp Thing on Tubi. Right. It's this old 90s TV show. It is painfully horrific and I fucking love every minute of it yeah and all of a sudden sandal bergman was on there i'm like i know you girl. is she a is she a reoccurring character or is she just on an episode okay so what happened was she comes in she has a thing with the bad guy and he puts her in a cryogenic state to wake her up later so i'm gonna guess it was a one episode thing because it said that there were two seasons of swamp thing but the second season has like 40 something episodes so isn't that like three seasons then yeah, that's something like 22 a season or something. I mean, it kind of depends, but I would I've say never 40, heard of 40. Yeah, fucking 40 <laughs> seems like it's at least two seasons. I feel like Tubi misnumbered it, but for free, you could do whatever the fuck you want. You know what I mean? Right. You don't like yeah. it. You don't like it. Go somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. They're like, fuck off. It's free. And I'm like, you're right. Go ahead and number it however you want to number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now I'm ready for the real shit, though. Okay. Um, This is the golden age of media. I'm Ben. And I'm Ellie. As two kids born in the mid 70s, we entered the 80s as little kids and we left as teenagers. And it's during this time that we grew to love TV and movies as well as books and music. And we'll share some of our favorites with you every episode. That's mostly okay. I liked it. All right, on. All right, so do you wanna start with your one-liners from tango and cash okay i was gonna do a lot uh, let me do all these one-liners it's what the movie's really known for i recently watched it yeah i felt like it had a lot of one-liners and then i realized not that many one-liners but a lot of banter that they deliver in a way that afterwards i hear i expect to hear like right <laughs> you know what i mean so I'm going to do a little bit of their banter. I'm going to call out a couple of the one-liners because it does start hard with the one-liners. You're like, oh, okay. And then immediately dies. Are you going to tell us, a, are you going to give us a little backstory about Tango and Cash? Just a touch, honestly. Just a touch. About, I mean, I'm going to I don't do a touch ch- about Tango and Cash. I'm going to tell you about the some of the one-liners. But I also want to talk about some of the actors in here. Okay. Because I learned some shit and I almost fell out of my goddamn chair. Are you ready? Sure. 
Okay, yeah. Oh, by the way, I watched it. I, I got all my info from watching the movie, which I watched twice in a row because the first time I thought I missed the one-liners. So all I right. literally watched it again. Quotes.net, Wiki, uh, Wikipedia, and IMDb. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Tango and Cash. It's a buddy cop movie from 1989. And I'm telling you, it is filled with stars and people who've just spent years acting. So it stars Sylvester Stallone and he plays Ray Tango. Yeah. And Kurt Russell plays Gabe Cash. And Sylvester, he wears like three-piece suits and he's interested in financial investment. And Kurt wears construction boots and ripped t-shirts. It's the 80s version of the odd couple if they worked in a nar- narcotics unit. Right. Okay. So Jack Palance, he actually plays the bad guy, Perrette. It's like Eve Perrette. And Jack mostly starred in cowboy movies as villains because he's an amazing villain. I don't know. It's just the way he speaks. He sounds like he could do some evil shit. He's got a mean face. He does. And the way, and I'm telling you, it's the way he enunciates things. It sounds like a threat no matter what it is. It could be hand me a glass of milk when you feel like he's threatening your life. You right. know what I mean? So he received two, actually, Academy Award nominations for the movies Sudden Fear and Shane. Ah, uh, I yes. know you're into Shane from the Steel Dawn. It's Steel Dawn, right? It sure is. Okay. Jack also won, he did win, not just nominated, but he won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in the movie City Slickers, where he played Curly, the cowboy that died. Right. The mean one. <laughs> yeah. So, but in this movie, though, Jack's character, Perrette, he has two underbosses. And one is James Hong, who paid, played Lopan in Big Trouble in Little China. One oh. of my favorite movies. Lopan's the crazy guy in the wheelchair, right? Lopin's a crazy guy in the wheelchair who learned who then turns into like a sorcerer at the end. Right. And he's also the voice for Mr. Pink on Kung Fu Panda. Oh. I've not seen Kung Fu Panda. That's it's actually really good. It really is. I know Mm. you're like, I'm not into kids' cartoons or whatever. Mm. You're more of a horror guy. I feel that. I'm more of an also like horror. I'm more of a I don't want to say adult movie guy because that has a different connotation, but I'm more of a at least PG-13, if not higher sort of movie guy. I, I get it. I get it. But I think you would be pleasantly surprised if you gave it a shot. Although you're not as much into cartoons as I am. So maybe I am biased. I'm going to throw that out there, too. OK. OK. So the so, you know, he has the two underbosses. The second guy is really not that popular. But your boy, Brian James, he plays nice. one of the underlings. Yeah. He's also in like maybe another 48 hours. He's in um, Fifth Element. And James Hong and Brian James, they both acted together in the movie Blade Runner. Outstanding. Did you like how I pulled that together? Huh? I did. I did. Okay. okay, okay, okay. So I just wanted to tell you just a couple other actors in smaller roles in the movie. It's like Terry Hatcher. She plays oh, yeah. Catherine or Kiki Tango. Nice. Ray's sister and Cash's love interest. A lot of I'm going to bang your sister jokes. Did you bang my sister jokes? Yeah. Movie. Yeah. Then there's Louis Arquette. He plays Weiler, this dirty accountant. And he is probably most notably known as the father of fellow actors Patricia, David, Alexis, and Rosanna Arquette. Wow. Um, then there's he needs Clint to Howard. Work with all those kids. I know. Well, I'm like, not only can he act, but he's like, you want a baby that can act? Boom, baby that can act over here. Boom, another baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then there's Clint Howard. His brother is Ron Howard. Everybody knows him. Right. And actually, Clint's also been an actor since he was a kid, just like Ron. He did things like Gentle Ben, Rock and Roll High School, Apollo 13. And in this movie, they call him Slinky because that's the toy he plays with as a prisoner. That's what he's credited as. And I'm going to tell you about two more. There's Michael Jeter. 
he's in the show he in the movie he edits some audio and in right. real life he played mr noodle on sesame street now i know you didn't have a small kid like i did but mr noodle was very important to sesame street he's passed away now no oh. clint howard's weird looking too he he would probably make a good uh prisoner he did make yeah he's the one with the slinky and he plays ray tango gets put to jail which i'll talk about they, they're um cellmates together yeah and at one point he gets tied up with his own slinky so um, Michael Jeter, who was Mr. Noodle, he actually also played in Green Mile and Evening Shade. Oh. And the last person I'm going to bring up is someone else that I know you know because we've talked about him before is Robert Zadar. He plays yeah. the bad guy, the prominent jawline. Cherubism. He has yes. cherubism. Cherubism. You're the one that yeah, told me that. <laughs> he's um, His character in the credits is listed as face. Yeah. Yeah. He's also in Time Cop and Maniac 3, Badge of Silence. Now, I can bring it together one last time for you. Okay. Brian James and Robert Zadar both acted in Cherry 2000. True. You like that, huh? I do. I appreciate that. Over together. Okay, but now I'm going to get to the actual movie. I'm done fucking around. Okay. 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 So the movie starts with Tango pulling over a semi that he believes is hauling cocaine. And yeah. Tango doesn't have any backup. He just has like a revolver, a convertible, and a steel spine. <laughs> and since the bad guys in the semi's cab were not wearing seatbelts, they flew through the windshield while making us hard stop, to which he replies, buckle up, it's the law. And wow. that is the first banger of the movie. That is the first one-liner. Buckle up, it's the law. A single sentence, and it conveys what you what he wants to convey, right? Yeah. One of the guys that, flow, that flies out of the semi-cab is Rockter's, um, actor Robert Zadar, the prominent chin guy. Right. So the cops aren't able to find anything and they yell at Tango for being a city cop. And one cop says, who do you think you are? And the second cop says, he thinks he's Rambo. To which Sylvester replies, Rambo is a pussy. Oh, that's funny because he is Rambo. Because he is Rambo. And that's the second one-liner. And I was just like, oh my God, it's filled with one-liners. And then it's just a desolate desert with no one-liners for a long time. <laughs> but are, are the one-liners you get are they uh worth the price of admission is that what makes uh, it so a little bit towards the end so yeah. it's like funny banter in the middle and the end goes back to one-liners and i'm like okay i literally had to watch this fucking thing twice in a row and i've actually already recently watched it so i had to keep waiting till my husband fell asleep because he was not down with this plan <laughs> so, he said yeah. i sat through this fucking thing once i'm not doing it again huh? he literally said that like you watch this all the time i was like but i know this has a purpose <laughs> <laughs> so tango and cash are accused of being dirty cops and they have some exchanges while they're with each other while they're listening to people give false testimony testimony during their legal proceedings yeah so cash says now here's some of the banter that people websites had this listed as one-liners but a one-liner would be a single line okay so this is right. not a one-liner but here's where they have listed. So cash is like, like someone taking a picture of you is not a selfie. Right. Thank you. <laughs> a selfie is you taking a picture of yourself. Right. See how that works? I do. <laughs> so cash says, when this is over, remind me to rip Jimbo's tongue out. And to which Tango says with the tow truck. Uh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Then another person comes over, does the same false testimony shit to which Tango says, now it's his turn. When this is over, we have to pay Jabba the Hut here a visit, to which Cash says, Cash says, I'll bring the chainsaw. And Tango says, I'll bring the beer. Ba-doom-tsh. Yeah, I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. I feel like they were trying. So 
King on Cash, they do end up in a prison that is only in the movies. Because I don't know, I know you've seen the movie. Do you recall them? They're walking through the prison. There's like four inches worth of paper on the floor. Oh, yeah. Burning piles of paper just scattered everywhere. Burning paper raining down from above. Paper running from above. Like eventually these prisoners would run out of paper. You know, they, right. <laughs> like, where are they getting all this paper from? And, and not to mention what prison allows just open flamed piles of paper everywhere. Like, yeah. On the daily. Because this is just like a Tuesday. Yeah, because after the first time they made a giant fucking mess, they'd be like, "Yeah, no, no more paper." Yeah, yeah. and wouldn't they eventually run out of paper if they did this any night, any every night anyway? Right. <laughs> well, and maybe this walk- is one of those prisons, like where the yeah. prisoners also have a job, and their job is like a paper mill, making paper. Yeah. And then they're like, "Man, this is going to be so awesome tonight!" And they light this on fire. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And of course, as they're walking through, Tango says, "Do you know what I hate?" And Cash says, "What?" And Tango says, "Litter." Mm-hmm. So the character face from earlier, the jawline guy, he meets up with Tango and Cash and Jell and Face is yelling about how bad Tango had hurt him, including breaking his jaw. And right. Cash says to Tango, You broke that jaw? And Tango's like, I did. And Cash is like, why? And Tango's like, I was having a bad day. And Cash is like, like now? And Tango's like, like now. And they do the choreographed double punch de- delivered simultaneously. Oh boy. So now Brett, the bad guy's talking to Tango at one point. Tango asked who he is, and uh, Brett replied, just think of me as someone who doesn't like you. And I think that should just be my personal tagline. <laughs> Outstanding. For some reason, I just love that sentence. I was like, we can have shirts made of it. It says, just think of me as someone who doesn't like you. <laughs> that would be, that probably would be a, a good shirt to wear around. See, I would wear it because I have a lot of social anxiety and it would make people think that I'm being tough about it, but really I'm terrified. <laughs> I really like to, I really like, I really don't like shirts that uh, encourage people to want to talk to me though. I don't know. They won't want to talk to you because it says, just think of me as someone who doesn't like you. Mm. You know, you're not saying come talk to me. My favorite is when there's like a shirt that has like very small writing. And if you look at it, it says nosy little fucker, aren't you? Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, now this movie introduced the wider audience to the term FUBAR. Oh. Yeah, fucked up beyond all recognition. And now Tango and Cash, they do escape jail. And in an effort to get information out of actually Brian um, James, Tango stuffs a grenade in his pants and says, this is a one-liner, my contribution to birth control. (laughs) But the grenade's a dud. So his penis stays intact, right? So outstanding. Yay. Well, aren't they supposed to good... be, aren't Tango and Cash supposed to be related somehow or something? Or am I okay, full they're of shit? not related. So what they are, the, the, the city's top two narcotics officers, and they're actually mm-hmm. kind of like rivals against each other. Oh, but okay. when this happens, they have to buddy each up, up together. Yeah. And then Cash is kind of um, into Kiki slash Catherine, Terry Hatcher, which is, uh, Sylvester Stallone's sister. Yeah, that's also, that's not a stretch though. She was pretty hot. She's totally smoking hot. So at this point, Tango Cash they find out that Pret's the bad guy. They go to see Cash's buddy Owen, who works on prototypes for the police. He's built this souped-up truck that re- that they refer to as quote an RV from hell. I thought that was cute. Right. While talking about the car, Cash says, "This is a violent work of art," and I was like, "I actually like that saying." 
I would not mind putting that on a shirt. <laughs> to which Tango replies, who owns the pink slip, Satan? Yeah. See? <laughs> right. So they drive to Pret's compound. It looks like a construction site built for an action movie, right? Plenty of driving space, like group of the bad guys. They're being shot at. Tango asks Cash who taught him how to drive, which he replies, Stevie Wonder. <laughs> That's good. I, like that, okay, that's the best one so far. Right. Which I also thought it was the best one, but I thought it would not fly today. Like, I don't know how many pe- younger people today would understand that reference. You know what I mean? Mm. That's okay. I know my daughter would, but she likes a lot of old stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I. I guess maybe Stevie Wonder is not as much in the public consciousness, but I feel like a lot of people know who he is and that he's blind, but maybe not though. Cause I don't know what he, I don't think he's had any kind of hit in a long time. Since the eighties, I think, right. Probably, maybe. probably quasi retired. I don't know. Oh, probably. He's gotta be a lot older now. Yeah. So, um, and cash does say to tango quote, if you don't make it back and I do, I'm going to date your sister. See the sister jokes there. Right. So you find out that the building they're in actually has a destruct button, like the spaceships on a sci-fi movie. And you think uh, you think they say date your sister because like it's just to to, to, to tone it down because it's not really He's what like, he I'm means. I'm gonna bang your sister. No, I think he says date because he wants him to know I'm not just gonna bang her once. I'm gonna do it for weeks. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna have an illegitimate child together, and I'm gonna be uh, hitting yeah. this on my support. Exactly, and I'm gonna go underground and stop paying taxes, and so you can't get any money from me. So inside the building is Perrette, Catherine, which is Tango's sister, and more bad guys that need to die in an 80s spectacular way, which by right. that I mean like guns and fist fights. Um, Brian James does die from a grenade to the pants this time. Oh, man. I know he does. Does he have a good Sorry. mullet? Does he have a good mullet and cool facial? He has a good mullet. And this is the one where he fakes the Cockney accent. Oh, yeah. Which I'm sure any person who has actually heard an actual Cockney accent dies in the inside every time he opens his mouth. Because so far, the, the only selling point to this movie. Um, is the Stevie you know, Wonder quote? Well, no, is Brian Brian James and uh Robert Zadar. Oh, Jack Palance, I guess. But like for that. me, it's uh Brian and uh Robert Zadar. But oh Zadar. Yeah, and I really honestly though, I do like this movie. This but I'm not gonna see it again for a minute because I've had a little bit enough here. <laughs> I feel like it's uh, I I feel like it's glorifying the military militarization of uh city police. Well, honestly, at one point it shows br- police brutality. I cut that point out where it, I guess an Asian American um, cast does. And at one point he says, it's soundproof so they can't hear me beating the truth out of you. And I'm like, yeah. you know, we don't, we don't do that nowadays. We're not, yeah. you know, we're not. <laughs> That's not really as cool as you think. I don't, we don't do police brutality in movies as a joke anymore. <laughs> right. It really was glorified uh, in, in movies back then. I feel like it like, was like he, looking well, back. You're rooting for him to hurt this guy to slash you know get the truth out of him yeah yeah and then you so, grow up and you think you know you think you know i'd prefer if that guy's had some civil rights because he actually hasn't actually been uh tried in a court of law and who, who the fuck is this guy right well in the end you're like oh maybe maybe this wasn't our best maybe this is how shit got a lot of control people right. actually thought they were tango and cash <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean so in the end, Tango Cash, they save Catherine. The building explode, explodes in the background as they run away. And Tango says, as the last banger of the movie, quote, there's a lot of pollution in the air tonight and they call it Perrette because he blew up at the building. Yeah, yeah. And then they do a masculine and friendly high five. Boom. Yeah. 
And then it cuts to them like high-fiving on the front of the newspaper thing. Are, do you, did you ever read the book version? I did not. No, this oh. was a fucking book. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, they had they had uh, sex in prison in the book. The dudes do? Yeah, Tango and Cash do. Um, with each other? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. You lie. You just made that up. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah. I know you well enough to know that you make shit up all the time. What? You liar. Okay, you'll have, so you'll have to go you find go find the book and uh, read it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, you know what? Fuck it. I'll write it now. You got me going. <laughs> you could have Tango and Cash. A male erotic Tango and Cash spinoff or whatever. It's going to be all your fault, Ben. <laughs> your your uh, Tango and Cash fan fiction that just focuses on the, the point where they're in prison. and The homoerotic fan fiction. It's going to be, in the end, it's never going to be Kiki. She's the beard. <laughs> well, they're only gay in prison. And, uh, now, uh, there's one thing I do want to talk you through. Here's my okay. very last thing about this movie. It's not the movie, it's the actors. So when I went through some of the actors, I actually listed off like 10 different actors, okay? Yeah. I'm going to give you the bottom five actors as far as the amount of credits to their name on IMDb. Okay. And I'm going to give it to you alphabetically. The, the bottom five, the, the, the one the five least credits. And then I'm going to do the top five. Okay. okay. Quit teasing me. Just get to it. Okay. Well, I want you to first guess who has the least amount. Here they are alphabetically. Kurt Russell, Michael Jeter, which is Mr. Noodle, Robert Sadar, yeah. yeah. Sylvester Stallone, and Terry Hatcher. Which of them has the least amount of credits? Terry Hatcher. Absolutely. She has 57. Now, out of Kurt Russell, Michael Jeter, Robert Sadar, and Sylvester Stallone, who has the most? Robert Zadar. Absolutely. 121. Yeah, because Robert Zadar is like, hey, you're making some pile of shit. And need some weird looking guy you. to wander through the screen. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah. I'm there. Now, Kurt Russell, he's the next in line with 101, but Sylvester Sloan is 86 and Michael Jeter's 80. Oh. Okay, so I want to tell you the next, the top five. Okay. Two of these people have hundreds of roles to their name. Hundreds. Yeah. You tell me which two they are. Are you ready? I'm ready. Brian James, Clint Howard, Jack Palance, James Hong. Louis Arquette. I would say Brian and Hong. Close. Hong has 441. I've never seen anybody with so many. Jesus, Lord God, I've never seen so many. Because a lot of those Chinese guys, you know. They were cranking him out, and he's an older gentleman. He's like in his 90s. Yeah, and then like. Still doing shit. we, We don't think of him as, they're not, maybe not huge per se here, but like if you really look into it, they made like. 200 kung fu movies that you've never heard of you know yeah well i don't need to hear of him he still did it 441 times right. clint howard 247 right because clint howard started being in stuff in like the the 60s i guess right but so did kurt russell remember he was a disney kid that's why i was right. shocked that he was at the bottom right now, but maybe but that, kurt russell so not to yeah. cut you off but like clint howard does a lot of like one two line things yeah. like austin powers or something he but plays Ru- slinky he doesn't even have a first name his name is slinky in the credits right so kurt russell's more like a star in the shit he's in so he's more of a quality than quantity and uh, yeah you're right that's just True. my you know that's how i look at that's how that's why i think that kurt russell would have less credits but his credits would be more number screen three time. was brian james yeah now he died at age 54 of a heart attack so he made 174 movies 
between being a teenager because he wasn't he wasn't doing this as a kid his parents owned a theater i looked him up and shit oh yeah yeah he went from being a teenager to dying at 54 with 174 credits but he's like robert zadar like he would take a role in anything right and he didn't have to be the star like you know yeah but i just thought that was fucking amazing I can't think of much. I can't think of anything he's really a main character in besides Steel Dawn. Um, well, he was one of the androids in um, Blade Runner. That's maybe not a main character. Because everything else, he's like, like in Cherry 2000, he's kind of like random thug guy where he's. Yeah. Well, he's I'd say he spent probably 20 minutes, 15 minutes on the screen in Tango and Cash. Right. That's yeah. pretty good, I guess. 48 hours. Supporting character. Yeah, he's a good supporting character. See in the is he in the movie Brian uh going berserk with John Candy and uh Eugene Levy? Going berserk? Oh. Yeah, I've going never berserk. heard of it. Ugh. Oh, come on. Okay, I just looked it up and I don't think so. So no dude know. man he was on shit like Battlestar Galactica BJ and the Bear this dude that's how Brian James got all this shit going man yeah he's he's in a million things is like a little bit like a bad guy for yeah a well you're right like in Cherry 2000 or... he was there maybe five minutes he was a he was a tracker that was gonna rob him or whatever it's not going berserk it's armed and dangerous I'm armed and of. dangerous yep I, I'm like but literally the thing just rolled over armed and dangerous I just always remember them because uh, they want so they're they're becoming security guards and uh, they're at the security guard training school and they want them to sign something. And uh, they're Eugene Levy and John Candy are questioning what it is. And Brian James just says, sign the fucking form. <laughs> <laughs> OK, believe it or not, about three weeks ago, my dad was trying to get me to watch Armed and Dangerous. Yeah. And I looked it up and it's, right now it's not free to stream and I wasn't willing to pay for it. God damn it. I know. He's like, it's hilarious. You need to watch it. I'm like, I don't have cable. I'm so sorry. But well, you I know, didn't realize that Brian James is an enemy of mine. I need to watch that again. I used to love that movie. Yeah. Because Lewis Gossett Jr. is a guy who has a baby. I cried the fuck alien. out of that movie when he died. And if you know, if you, if you take, if you're surprised by that, you're fucking 40 years late. Mm. <laughs> Seriously. Well, you were a little girl. I didn't. I didn't cry. I was a hard ass little kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I bet you slept like an infant. Now you're trying to act like it didn't happen. No, I was a little wussy boy. I cried all the time. But I, I bet if I we cried asked your that. mom, she'd be like, "I had to hold him for a half an hour and just rock him until everything's okay." <laughs> he cried at this, cried at that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes all you had to do is see someone else crying, and you start crying. Like a sneeze. <laughs> so is uh have i been tango and cashed out yeah we done okay see you like that cashed out huh, huh? Uh, huh? Nice. who's got nice. the puns you're the punny man well do you want to hear a little bit about uh the pilot episode of tales from the crypt absolutely i used to love that show especially when it first came out i was all in at night was it mid 80s oh it was actually the late 80s like 87 like 89 Oh, okay. I was going to say by then I was going to have to go to my dad's house to watch. No. Oh. Yeah, we'll see. What's up? Tell me. I mostly saw it at other people's houses because we didn't, we lived in the country. Like you couldn't even get cable, even if, uh, 
if even you, if you wanted it right dude so. i remember those dark days <laughs> hard times hard times hard times my friends hard times well my kid though grew up in the 2000s with no cable yeah so you wanted to really just like live in a backwards world this poor kid she's okay though she turned out okay eventually yeah it's so like far. so you think it's like a like a coal miner's daughter kind of a thing yeah. Well, honestly, I don't know what's wrong with her because you know how much I love movies and TV, right? Right. And she, does she doesn't not. like either. What happened, Ben? Where did I go wrong? I mean, you guys spent a lot of time together. <laughs> you got her to she like likes Clockwork cars. Orange. Huh? She likes Clockwork Orange. She really does like Clockwork Orange. Yeah. She's not much of a movie person. No. There has to be a point to watching said movie. Yes, and though I must say, um, her boyfriend James has talked her into watching the Star Wars movies. Uh huh. And it's been taking them like months, but she's I think gotten all the way through, and she watched them like in order. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in order of how they came out, or in order of how they're supposed to fit in the story. I think she did order of how they came out. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I think that's the best way because that's how you learn the secrets properly. Like you don't want to know about everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Or I might be wrong. Fuck it. I've been wrong before. I don't I can't say I can't say because I can't I watched them the order they came out because there was such a it was such a gap from Jedi back to the prequels. It's like a 10 year gap. More than that, isn't it? Because the Star Wars came out in like 74. Right, but isn't Jedi like uh you... Oh, I see what you're saying. Between Star Wars and Jedi. Uh... Not Star Wars and Jedi, but the, you know, the last of the original three was Jedi, and that was, yeah. uh, <clears throat> I don't know, 84, 85, something. Okay. I yeah, I know. It was, it was a different feeling to that movie. <laughs> George Lucas. <laughs> yeah. And then there was the Ewok TV special and... Oh, my gosh, which are now available on the Disney channel. I know this. And my husband owns the DVDs of them. So I've seen yeah. them. It was, I don't remember seeing them when they came out at the time, which is pretty good because they're not that great. Um, it has Ed Brimley in one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you liked it at the time because you were like eight years old or nine years old. Or, I don't know. Maybe you were like 12. But uh, yeah. Well, no. Well, I've always had like, um, I've always had ADD. So like, I didn't feel like those were fast paced enough to keep my attention. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry, Ed. Is how is is Willow connected to that somehow? Not that I'm aware of. Willow connected to Star Wars? Yeah, to the Ewoks. I'm full. I could be totally full of shit. Not that I'm aware, of, but in Willow they didn't have Ewoks. They had little those little brownie guys. They're called brownies. Yeah. Anyway, tell. Okay, sorry. Crypt. Yeah. <laughs> the man who was death. This is the pilot episode of Tales of the Crypt, and it aired on June 10th of 1989. Even though multiple episodes aired on the same premiere night, this is considered the pilot. Wait a second. So they had multiple episodes premiered on the same day? Yeah. I don't remember that. So okay. like I don't know why, like I don't get why this is considered a pilot unless they made it and showed it to HBO and they said, okay, that's cool. Like or, or if it was, was it the so it was the first one out of the gate? Like they, we showed three episodes in one day, and this was the first of the three. Yeah, maybe I'm reading Wikipedia wrong, but it makes it look like they show well i i looked at this other website where it did say they showed at least two episodes on the same night okay but this is considered the pilot so i'm gonna say maybe that one made it out the gate first right well that's what i was saying is maybe they made it and showed it to hbo and then they made the rest of them yeah they're like did you like that one they're like it's already like here wait hold on here's the second one hold on yeah well because <laughs> yeah. 
usually a lot of times with a pilot it'll be on tv and to gauge a reaction from the unwashed masses and then they'll make more but since this is a you know in a lot of ways it's kind of a groundbreaking thing because this is before uh a lot of cable channels had like original series you know what i mean this is probably one of the first ones if you think about it yeah yeah you're right you're right okay okay so Tales from the Crypts, an anthology series, and most of it's initially based on content from the EC comic series of the same name or some of the other EC comic series. Uh, and then what's EC comics, you may wonder. Yep. Sit down and let Uncle, P- Uncle Wikipedia tell you. <laughs> entertaining, entertaining Comics, more commonly known as EC Comics, was an American publisher of comic books with speci- which specialized in horror fiction, crime fiction, satire military fiction dark fantasy and science fiction from the mid 1940s through the 1950s i honestly think i'd be down with everything but the military one i don't know if i'd find that that funny since i'm not really into military life right i don't know enough to make the jokes funny well it's not all supposed to be funny tales from the crypt's not supposed to be funny isn't it is it oh just entertaining you know what for some reason i mixed up entertain yeah but yeah but there was commas in there crime fiction i don't know if i would entertain it's called entertaining comics right yeah i wouldn't be entertained are you not entertained isn't that well i mean what's your definition of entertaining interesting something that i would be interested in like if you watch if you watch a horror movie you're entertained right yes it doesn't mean you condone violence or occultism no i'm just saying i'm normally not entertained by military shit Jeez, okay. man, are you in the military? Are you defending yourself? What's happening? Well, you know, they make it for all types. Yes, dear. That's why I want. That's why I would do the horror. I'm just saying, out of all the ones that would like the military, I'll keep. All right. All right. Well, I mean, it was, it was uh, 25 years before you were born. So. Yes, dear. Anyway, so most notably was Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. Initially, EC was owned by Maxwell Gaines, and specialized in educational and child-oriented stories. After Gaines' death in a boating accident in 1947... Was it suspicious? Not that I know of. God damn it. His son, William (laughs) Gaines, took over the company and began to print more mature stories, delving into the genres of horror, war, fantasy, science fiction, adventure, and others. Noted for their high quality and shock endings, these stories were also unique in their socially conscious progressive themes, including racial equality, anti-war advocacy, nuclear disarmament, and environmentalism oh that anticipated the civil rights movement and the dawn of the 1960s counterculture in 1954 and 1955 censorship pressures prompted it to concentrate on the humor magazine mad leading to the company's greatest and most enduring success consequently by 1956 the company ceased publishing all of its comic lines except mad so i used to love mad magazine back in the 80s did you subscribe? No, but my cousin Jay did. Yeah. Yeah. I would just buy them as I found them. And I actually bought some, a couple of Mad Magazines the other day from an antique shop. Yeah. Yeah. It was only like a dollar or two. Did you ever buy Cracked? Cracked? Yes, I did. did and a have... couple of Fangorias. Well, that's kind of a different thing. Yeah. So but anyway. Yeah. Well, I always liked magazines, but for some reason, I never kept magazines. Books, I will keep for fucking ever. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. I thought you were going to go on a little more. 
Anyway, <laughs> Tales from the Crypt had several spinoff series, including a Saturday morning kids series of softer horror stories. Apparently, they employed a child psychologist to make sure it wasn't too much for kids and had a softer, more kid-friendly crypt animated Crypt Keeper. Um, just a side note. Did you know they did it also for, like, um, you know, the Archie comics? Yeah. So they did the also, like, the Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I didn't mean the yawn. <laughs> they did the Archie comics, um, like uh, like a Tales from the Crypt form, where everyone is like a small horror one. In the very oh, first yeah. episode, they did the one where the uh, pod people exchange. And I remember thinking, oh, this is kind of scary. But they stop right before it gets like, before a parent would call. But it was only yeah. one season. Oh, yeah. That might be yeah. cool. I actually watched the whole thing on Tubi if you want to watch it. So it's a it's like a spooky Archie comics thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that's where uh Sabrina the Teenage Witch is part of that universe. Uh-huh. And then there's I the Netflix that. series of of the same. Oh yeah, they day. did that dark. Oh my god. And I know I told you one more thing. I know I know damn it. But um you know I told you I was gonna watch Fantasy Island. Yeah. They also try to go very dark, and I know that they redid it as like a horror fantasy island. Oh, they did? Yeah, it's been remade recently. Oh. Into like a horror. But the ones from the 70s, it's also horror. Like the very first episode that I watched recently, and I was like, like, one thing at a time, that's why I went back to Swamp Thing to finish it. Yeah. Um, With the fantasy island one, they have like these four girls are in a house, and there's like a serial killer after them that, you know, you find out, and there's another one where, yeah. Where it looks like the the formula of Fantasy Island is everything scary and going to shit, and then oh look, it actually worked out. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even watched watch. Fantasy Island since I was a little kid. I I don't know. I I guess I just in, inferred from the title that uh, it would you know on the island it would be your fantasy, not. No, it's always a dark fantasy. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's where like like this couple they got married and they're they're trying to recreate their marriage it's not things aren't going well and they go there and things just fall to shit and um in the end they're like oh we really do like each other and then there was a serial killer after four girls in a house alone huh (laughs) yeah were they nurses and it was richard speck um no it was actually one of the girls were ended up turning on the other three and when they're like i'm surprised you allowed this he's like don't worry we're keeping an eye on her but it was her fantasy and she had requested it twice, so we decided to allow her to try it. Hmm. <laughs> I was like, that was the first episode. Nice. So I was like, I'm here for it. So I had to hurry up and watch some of the Swamp Thing. So I, I want to get into the 80s portion of Fantasy Island because it starts in 77. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think they uh, the censors didn't allow the rape fantasy episodes? You know what? I bet you there's clips of it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. YouTube. Yes. In the, in the in the oh, book series in the yeah. book series there's a lot of rape fantasies in the book the series, is it again homoerotic <laughs> no no damn it well then i'm not reading it <laughs> so, there yeah. i guess you're missing out i guess a lot I of people i've read a lot of good reviews on the book series of fantasy island but yeah. <laughs> right so anyway let's get back to tales from the crypt yeah as I mentioned in our Stephen King heavy episode a couple of weeks ago, I thought Creep Show and Tales from the Crypt were related as a kid. And while they aren't, they also are. Okay. You might be asking if I'll elaborate, if I will elaborate, and I won't. Because <laughs> I can't, because I don't know I'm, what I'm saying. I'm just kidding. 
The reason they seem similar is that the comic books had originated in the 1950s and they were an influence behind the creation of the Creepshow movie. Oh. So that's why the Tom Savini guy in the Creepshow movie sort of is like Crypt Creeper E. Yeah, okay. You know? Yeah. And it's it's and the format's similar. Is because okay. uh they they made those because as kids they liked those creep show uh or uh, Tales from the Crypt in the EC comic books. Huh. So yeah, that's, it, that's cool. But it predates the Tales from the Crypt TV show, but postdates the Tales from the Crypt comic book. Okay. So in a way it's a draw. But I, I don't think it's completely coincidental that Tales the Tales from the Crypt name and concept was drug out of the attic after the creep show movies. You know oh, I mean? absolutely. I bet they saw how successful the uh, creep show were doing. They're like, oh, we can do that. It's like, hey, we own the rights to this. So let's uh-huh. rip you off by not ripping you off by ripping you off. Yeah, like, I can do that. <laughs> let's rip off your homage to our thing. Yeah. Because, you know, the people who made Tales from the Crypt, obviously they're not, they're not the people from the 50s who had written the comic books. Right. Well, it reminds me of that song, Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better. Yeah. <laughs> creep Show is like, stand back. <laughs> or the Tales from Crypt's like, stand back, Creep Show. Let me show you how it's done, boy. Creep Show is like, Let's just knock this out in an hour and a half until some of the crypt is like, let's drag it out over years. Yeah, they'll say we've got years in the cartoon to make, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, enough background. The man who was death is based on a comic, and the storyline is that Niles Talbot is an electrician working at the prison and gets promoted to executioner. But unfortunately for him, the death penalty is abolished. Only temporarily, though, as we'll find out later. The episode opens with the Crypt Keeper sitting by a bug zapper, and he says, Aw, oh, poor little fellas, when I think of their childhood, all those cute little maggots. <laughs> well, I can't do the Crypt Keeper laugh. Our story is about a man with nobler ambitions. He likes to kill human pests, and he does it in front of an audience. Now that's entertainment. <laughs> so hang on to your hats, kitties. This one's a real shocker. Okay, that is the, that is like how the Crypt Keeper would do it, too. Yeah. Yeah. There's he, he, yeah he they make jokes like that like oh I'll get little puns little puns yeah, as they yeah. scare the shit out of you right before they're like hello I'm gonna give you something to be terrified about children and a pun <laughs> the first and only legal kill for Mr Talbot's in this episode is Charles Ledbetter who was turned down for a pay raise after seven years at his job Mr oh. Ledbetter drank some liquid courage at lunch and took his gun back to work with him and kills his boss on purpose and his secretary accidentally oh. You don't see that. He's just being executed for that crime. Okay. Talbot makes it a point to let you know that he looks the condemned in the eye as he's as we're seeing Mr. Ledbetter's final moments. He's begging for mercy, swearing the governor is going to call to grant him clemency, but he does not. Mr. Ledbetter receives two jolts and is sent to the great beyond. Oh, he goes out smoking. Yeah, he's capital punishment. It's not just a random uh, murder. No. But because life isn't fair, capital punishment is abolished and Mr. Talbot is told he cannot have his old job back maintaining the electrical facilities of the prison because he had already trained his replacement prior to being promoted to executioner. Isn't that some bullshit? So now Mr. Talbot, Mr. Talbot is an unemployed executioner who's ready to go freelance. (laughs) Talbot is played by William Sandler, who you will Sadler who will you you will undoubtedly recognize. And he narrates the episode, letting us know why certain people need to be sent to the great beyond, as well as some general life advice, like 
when it comes to dating, you treat queens like whores and whores like queens, and they're on their back fast. Oh, I'm sure that really works today. <laughs> and uh, he was the uh, Grim Reaper in the Bill and Ted movies. Oh, was oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, Shit. he's in a lot of things. He's kind of like a character actor, but like you know, you'll if you watch the episode, you're like, oh, that guy. He's a, he's he literally is. As soon as you said that, I'm thinking about all the different things, like the times I've seen his face, but now I can't recall exactly what the name of the movie was or whatever. Yeah. Because yeah. I did that. I'm like, oh, it's that guy. And then I go to look at his IMDb and I'm like, I don't know. None of this stuff's really jumping out at me. Like, like I've seen a lot of it, but it's not like why I think I know him. But right. That is something that my husband and I will also do. We'll go through IMDb. And be like, do you think it's this one or that one? Then, you, then you'll just say a movie like, I don't know, like Big Trouble Little China. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So initially he auditioned for a smaller part, but decided to aim high and go for the main character of Talbot, who the producers had originally envisioned being played by John Malkovich or Christopher Walken. Oh. Yeah. Well, they, maybe they were maybe they were kind of kidding themselves, right? I'm like, that's shooting up pretty high, hey? Eh? Yeah. <laughs> you're aiming, you're punching high there. I mean, I don't know if those guys really want to do a pilot. Oh yeah, have a scary TV show with the animatronic or whatever or puppet. Yeah. Yeah. But so the way he played it, the cocksure Southern boy in the big city went over well and he got the job. Ah. So uh, his first Bring freelance kill. His career. No more ramen for that guy. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. Because I think this is the only episode he's in. Oh, okay. But it's one of those things you can't really be in two episodes. You know what I mean? True. Maybe that caused other people to see him and be like, it's that guy from that one show. Hey, he can be in my half-hour TV show. Exactly, like he could make—he'd make a good killer in my show. So, uh, the first freelance kill comes as a biker is let off on a technicality, and Mister Talbot—he's in the courtroom, and uh, you know he's not going to let this go. But yeah. uh, he follows the biker Jimmy Flood, and he electrifies—he electrifies a fence, and then when Jimmy, the scumbag biker tries to break into said property with the electrified fence, he gets roasted. Oh, so I like that he sticks with electricity. Yeah. I like that. Okay. And uh, you're kind of talking about the, the different time stuff before with your tango and cash. Yeah. When uh, this biker is in court and the girl, is, the, there's a woman screaming at him about how he had killed her brother and he said, your brother was a fag. Yep. See, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are so many times I watch. I'll be watching my old '80s shows, or something. Like, oh, we don't do that anymore. Oh, we just don't slap women to the ground for no reason anymore. We don't do that. I'm yeah, like, <laughs> you, need, you need a reason now, or you at least got to be married. Yeah. <laughs> she at least has to talk back first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the second kill comes in a as a man and his mistress are being let off for killing the man's wife. You see, his wife was rich, so divorce would not be an option. As they are celebrating their freedom in a hot tub, Mr. Talbot interrupts the party with shocking results. Huh? Huh? I really like that he keeps his, he sticks to his weapon of choice. You know, there's got to be something well, for that. He is an electrical executioner. Well, he could have still moved on from electricity because it's not the most portable weapon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you could oh. knife the fuck out of somebody, but carrying around a car battery and two exposed wires could be a problem. Um, another another unpc line in this show is uh, 
he's talking to his bartender, he's talking to the bartender and the bartenders, you know, commiserating with him about how it's such bullshit. They got rid of the death penalty and how liberals claim that uh, only minorities get the, uh, get the electric chair. And Mr. Talbot's kind of bragging. He's like, yeah, they're all pretty dark when I get done with them. <laughs> oh, see, we don't do that anymore either. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that would, I don't, I don't think know. that would fly nowadays. So, but maybe because he's a I don't know maybe all these people are villains too so maybe it would fly you know what I mean I'm so sorry Gazoom <laughs> tight they're not you know I'm allergic to racism so <laughs> yeah but you know so the guy who the biker who calls the brother a fag and then Mr. Talbot you know they yeah. are uh they are going to get theirs in the end or already have got theirs in the end so True. Maybe, uh, you know there is some justice that the bad guy gets this it's not big bird you know <laughs> saying something horrible that's true <laughs> true true but uh, unfortunately the tables are turned for mr talbot our vigilante when he's attempting to get a prostitute off the street and is arrested but in an ironic twist the death penalty is reinstated we end the episode with Niles Talbot confident that he will, doesn't need a haircut because his head won't catch fire because he will be granted clemency because he was just doing his job. Uh-oh. Like Mr. Ledbetter at the start of the episode, the governor doesn't call and Niles Cal- Talbot gets the shock of his life. See, I've, uh-huh. I did a couple too. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. You're like, you know, in the um, spirit of yeah. Tales from the Crypt. And the Crypt Keepers. Yeah, the Crypt Keeper's outro is Gad, what a revolting development. <laughs> and what a switch for poor Mr. What a switch from poor oh. Mr. Talbot. It just goes to show what happens when you get too caught up in your work. Don't worry though. I'm sure he never knew what hit him. So remember, boys and ghouls, safety first. <laughs> oh my god, he hit he didn't just hit the button once. You know what I was no, saying? No. He hit the button, threw a switch, turned the knob. <laughs> oh, he goes big. The Crypt Keeper goes big. Yes. He's like, how many puns are we going to use? All the puns. All of them. Every yes. one. <laughs> yes. We're going to use what? Twice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the Crypt Keeper doesn't disappoint. He's there for a purpose. That's right. That's right. So that's all I have for the Tales of the Crypt. The uh, pilot. So I, I wanted to switch it up on you because, you know, I was going to tell you the number one song of 1982. I was going to tell you the ni- number two song of 1983. Good. Well, I was going to actually give you the top three songs of 1982 because I wanted you to I think you know what's happening and then not know. Oh, man. My world is I am on the floor right now. I just fell off my chair. I know. I know how much you love surprises. And I was like, let me throw him <laughs> a giant one. I am. I am squeezing my life alert now, begging yeah. for help. <laughs> I'm begging for help over here. Three right. songs. I don't know what to do. The first song. Now, all three of these songs, I literally had the 45 in my basement. They are all top roller skating songs. Yeah. Number three. I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Oh. It was originally re- released actually in 1975 by the Arrows. And that that's like, their version is actually still a bop. But it's the 1890, 1892. This is when Joan went back into 1892 and recorded it then. Was it on a wax cylinder? It was actually, she had to sing it live every single time. 
<laughs> with her minstrels. <laughs> exactly. What I meant to say is the 1982 version went platinum. And the one thing I didn't know that I learned through this is she actually recorded it twice. Oh, yeah. She recorded I Love Rock and Roll in 1979 with two members of the Sex Pistols. Oh. Then did it again in 82 with the Blackhearts. And was that's it Steve the- Jones and Paul Cook? I don't know which ones actually I didn't write down. No. Sorry, man. It probably was because they're the two that do the most stuff together. The, the, the two that are still that were alive. No, all all of them. Well, no, the not. only one who's the only one who's dead, <laughs> the only sex pistol who's dead is Sid Vicious. Okay. And he wasn't the original bass player. True. So the original bass player, Glenn Matlock, was alive fairly recently. So okay. technically all the original sex pistols are still alive. Okay. So right. in case you wondered. Fine. She didn't I do it with the runaways it. though. The runaways? I they I like their song Cherry Bomb. Yeah. Well, I mean that was Joan Jett and Lita Ford's band. I know, isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they I were actual teenagers at the time. I gave your daughter my runaways tape. I don't know if she appreciates it or not. I don't know. She's uh first of all late teen, so I'm not cool enough to really know some of these things, Ben. Mm. <laughs> So this song, the I Love Rock and Roll song, is part of the Wayne World 2 movie in 1993. That's the last time it was like put on the soundtrack or something. Yeah. Number two is Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. But let me let me just jump in here real quick. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. Like it's cool that it went platinum, but in a way it's kind of a bummer because uh she didn't write it. So that means that people getting all the money are uh the people who did, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, we don't know how she cut her deal back in 82 because it was recorded in 75 by the Arrows and then 79 and she did she did it in 79 and 82. Yeah. Yeah. But they wrote it. the street cred for it, maybe. I guess if you want to think of it like that. I guess so. All right. So number two is Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. Uh Uh-huh. Written at the request of Sylvester Stallone for his Rocky III movie, which I looked it up twice because I was like, Rocky III? Yeah, it's not Rocky One. For some reason, I thought it was the first movie. No, yeah. Rocky One's like in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I, well, I thought that Eye of the Tiger went with the first Rocky movie, not huh. realizing it was the third Rocky movie. I was like, what? Um, what the fuck happened in Rocky Two? <laughs> That's like the one that no one remembers. Rocky Two, he actually gets a go against Apollo Creed again. Mm. And I think he wins. It feels like it's just setting you up for Rocky three. Everybody knows one and four. Well, everyone, everyone remembers three because of Clubber Lang. Oh, I don't know about that. Three was never, I don't really remember three. Actually, I remember one, two, and I guess if I had to, four. What? Four is because Dolph Lundgren's in that one. Oh, what the fuck? Number three has Mr. T as Clubber Lang, and it has the Eye of the Tiger song. What do you mean and, you don't remember Well, three? and it has Hulk Hogan, right? Oh, I, it's that's like the best one. I don't uh, uh, no, the best one is that I will break you. Number four. Yeah. Uh, I remember I saw number four in the theater. Then we went to sign of the beef carver. <laughs> Good times. We'll just well, you you're really living it up. We'll just agree that you're wrong and move on. We'll just know that you're wrong and we'll just move on. Clubber Lang, I don't know. I guess no. the I'll crush you. <laughs> I still say Clubber Lang's better. No. And uh, what was what was Hulk Hogan? You don't. Even, I can't remember. He was Hulk Thunder Hogan. something. Was it Thunder Lips? I wanted to say Thunder Lips too, but I felt like it was wrong. <sighs> yeah, I know. You could always look it up, but I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's all for another time and place. 
Okay. So yeah, you should do that one. You should do the Rocky three movie and just correct me. I should. You should. I forgot what a classic it is. Yeah. So Sylvester had been denied the another one bites the dust by my favorite band Queen. So mm. he that's why he requested yeah. like basically an unknown like can you write me a song? That's where favorite band that. really. Huh? Favorite band really? Absolutely, I will fucking fight you, Ben. I will. I mean, do you enjoy a greatest hits album or do you listen to all the albums? I listen to most of them, and I'm not gonna let you music snob me, motherfucker. I can't <laughs> get it. I cannot get music snob because I'm not. I don't give a fuck what your standard is. I like what I like, bitch. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna find me unfuckable as far as unflappable. <laughs> <laughs> let me just give you. Let me just give you a sarcastic thumbs up and move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. I can see that you've never fucked around with a middle sister like we're a whole different breed okay my my, my older sister plays part-time in a queen tribute band but yeah I'm still not well, I'm still not much of a fan yeah well what you need is a, a middle sister will set you straight it's set your attitude right <laughs> so yeah, I'm, the, I'm the so. baby and everyone likes the baby so you're the baby and the little boy and yeah. mama's boy yeah so uh, I pretty much you know I, sh- I just shit rainbows basically you should yeah rainbows that smell like roses yeah yeah, I the Tigers the only Oscar nomination for Rocky Three, and it yeah. ended up losing to Up Where We Belong from the movie An Officer and a Gentleman. Oh man, Love lift us up where we belong. <laughs> I can't you know, I just, I just I, like to do it. I can't do it. I just like to. I I I really can't argue with that. You I might like person- Up Where We Belong is the better song. You know, I kind of do. I I kind of prefer Eye of the Tiger, but Up Where We okay. Belong just seems like the like you're gonna like you're gonna stir up emotions when you crank that fucking song. True. I could tell you that the band Survivor has sued at least four different Republicans for using their song Eye of the Tiger oh. while on the campaign trail. Interesting. Yeah, you want to use Eye of the Tiger? They're gonna sue your fucking ass. <laughs> they sued the TV production company for the TV show Survivor as well. Uh, very funny i don't think you know they the really did <laughs> i don't think what? you can own the word survivor i just don't <laughs> they really did though yeah did they i swear to god i don't believe you anymore ben okay you're gonna have to look it up so the I number one song i know no i'm not the number one song of 1982 is physical physical oh yeah olivia newton john yeah and I know you're not going to be surprised because you're not really into pop because it was rejected by a lot of artists before she accepted it. Oh, Tina yeah. Turner gave it a big fuck you. Huh. <laughs> yes. So the suggestive lyrics caused a few markets to ban the song and right. for Olivia to lose her some of her good girl image. And I actually one time tried to use this song to seduce my husband and got a big fat zero on that bitch. <laughs> I was like, hey, and I'm singing it. And he was like, why the fuck are you doing this song? <laughs> I was like, I guess no reason. Wasn't, wasn't she like in leotards or some bullshit on the cover? Or... Okay, so the video is... Okay, well, let me tell you. Okay, so this is her biggest hit as a pop artist. It's been over two months at number one. But most of all, the best thing I think it is, it's the first video ever shown on the TV show Beavis and Butthead. Yeah? Yeah, you know Beavis and Butthead, how they would like watch little clips of video on their TV? This is no, the first video they seen, ever watched on their before. TV. You fucking liar. <laughs> you fucking liar. <laughs> what was Beavis and Butthead on? Yeah, right? 
I, there's this there's this channel once called MTV. I thought you didn't have cable. I didn't. I'm about to tell you when I was a freshman in college, the guys that lived two floors below me had cable, and I used to go down there to watch it. Yeah. I didn't say I was. I didn't have access to TVs. I just said I didn't have cable. <laughs> but um, so I forgot what I was gonna say. Anyway, there's a couple. By the way. Oh wait, let's see. Okay, so the video is yeah. You said the video. So the video is her dancing in a leotard. It starts yeah. with her teaching some overweight men aerobics. She leaves the room. She comes back, and the dudes are just hotting hot a lot. And there's like five girls, five guys in the room. Two of them pair off as a gay couple, and the last dude she plays tennis with at the end. Isn't a, isn't she like uh, liked by the gays because of that now? Uh, I believe so. My understanding yeah. is the they were like, oh my god, she's out here representing, and they were some hottie McCattalots, like I said. And she's uh, it's considered it was probably pretty, so it was pretty controversial at the time because they thought the song yeah. was about banging, and there was implied gay people in the video. Yeah. Did she have much of a musical career? I just think, always think of her as a lady from Greece. Um, not much of a musical career. She actually had like four songs that charted really well. And yeah. this was her best one. Yeah. She's been in the, she had broken the top 10 a few times, but this was her number one. Absolute. Let's get physical. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Did, just, you know, apparently not very seductive on the average white dude. <laughs> it's middle-aged. <laughs> Sometimes you're just tired. It's been a long day. <laughs> no, he just was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, not working, eh? <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah, like uh, physical, my living dude, done. That's sexy. Mm. Yeah, message received. <laughs> Maybe if you recorded it, there wouldn't have been a scandal. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't I don't enjoy them body shaming fat men. Yeah um i actually i'm a little bit of a chubby chaser so i don't say shit yeah, <laughs> yeah. i said to my oh. husband like do i look fat in this <laughs> today i was trying to dress I'm like do i look fat in this he's like no you look like me in this i'm like oh you're hot yeah <laughs> yeah he said you want to get physical and he said no <laughs> yeah then i started guys he said the physical song and he's like back <laughs> get back <laughs> oh that's all right oh i have a cat on the fucking your cat's on the keyboard oh yeah flint nope the other one flavia yeah yeah she uh this is a this is becoming our our time while we do the podcast oh my time with bones is when the, the dog and the husband go to sleep at night and her and i stay up because we're on a different sleep schedule yeah we're part of the night also, men They're you're also walkers. you're also up chasing uh mice and things <laughs> no mostly i just give her catnip and we chill together <laughs> well when willem dafoe was a night person who switched to days he uh crashed his car and went through the windshield and found the sun did not kill him oh i don't i actually did say yesterday can we go can we chase the sun before it goes down and mike's like yeah let's get you out in the sun <laughs> yeah get you a little okay. vitamin d yes just so you know, so I can't back out of it. We're doing Buck Rogers next week. Okay. Okay. I'm okay. saying it so I can't back out of it. We are doing Buck okay. Rogers next week. I feel like you've been teasing me with Buck Rogers as well, a Can maybe. I tell you a secret? Can I tell you a secret as to why I'm avoiding Buck Rogers? So I have to cut this out? No, you can you can keep it in. Yeah. Ben, okay. I watched the whole thing twice, and I'm not sure what the fuck that whole episode's about. I'm not sure exactly. 
but we'll go over it together okay well, this it was your idea i'm not trying to pressure I you picked into the it. episode blindly and once i was three-fourths of the way in and i realized i don't know what's happening it was too late i'd already invested let me run this by you is uh buck rogers like tales from the crypt and star wars is like creep show where the success did the, you think the success of buck rogers no the success of star wars made them look for a space story so they pulled out old ass buck rogers from some dusty fucking comic book and said hey i'm not ripping off star wars i'm making buck rogers well actually buck rogers stays as part of society from the 1920s all the way forward dude that's what i'm saying it will different iterations so like you know he was a comic he was a magazine thing so I think that they, I think that once Star Wars got bigger, they're like, look, we can put him in a TV show. It's bigger. Like the audience is bigger now. They're more accepting of this shit. Right. But season one of Buck Rogers, it's more like Star Wars as far as there's a lot of like shit, you know, gunfights up in the air with the ships chasing each other, the little battleships yeah. chasing each other. And then season two, I don't want to say what happens, but everything changes because of something that happened in society in the eighties, but everything changes and they go from like air battles to more of like a Star Trek type of seek out new worlds. They literally start looking for pockets of humans after that. And that's what season we're in when I'm like, what? Interesting. <laughs> All right. So, so yeah, I got it. We can we can look at it together. I talk a little bit about Buck Rogers, but I'm not 100% sure what the episode was trying to teach me. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I was like, all right, this is going to be awesome. And then I watched it. I was like, wait, let me watch it a second time. Maybe I just missed something that explained everything. Like that was the key to tell me what's going on at the end. And then yeah. I just, I watched it again and I was like, still confused. So you're confused <laughs> and struggling with an episode you picked on your own. Just, yeah. So what I did was I just picked it due to its date because only so much of Buck Rogers is in the eighties because it start, comes out in 79 and then in 80. So I did. I mean, you could have season two. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. I mean, no, I'm not because you fucked with me because I did rappers from the 90s. I'm sticking in the 80s. Right. I'm right. The 80s. Once you did rappers from the 90s, all, all taboos were broken. And <laughs> like the cherry was popped. There's no putting it back. <laughs> right. No, but if it end, it, you know, if it runs through the 80s, I don't see. You don't have to be yeah. stuck on. Well, it's up on the I already put the work in. See, that's where my problem is. I put the work in. I'm okay. following the episode. It seems good. It seems intriguing. It gets to the end. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we should cut this off. All right. Bye. All right. So talk to you we'll, later. we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. Now I feel too much pressure. I need time.